Welcome. Welcome to A Resonant Life, produced by The Time Is Now Productions. I am Mike Thompson, your host and reflector in chief. Over the next 20 to 30 minutes, we will discuss experiences and insights about living a life devoted to uncovering our authentic selves and finding fulfilling purpose from the past, the present, and the future. To kick off our discussion, I'll share my opinions gathered from my life and experiences. Opinions between people are various, and we don't all need to hold the same ones. But it is fun to hear the opinions of others as it gives us an opportunity to freshen up our own. If you enjoy and gain insight, please subscribe and share. If you have questions, please email them. And as always, nothing we cover here is a proscription or a prescription. It is a discussion of life and life's internal and external experiences. So let's get to it. And welcome, welcome back. Thank you for joining today. Whether you're listening or watching, I'm so happy you're taking the time to join me on this project of uncovering our authentic selves and creating abiding happiness for ourselves and others. The world will be a measurably better place for our efforts, be assured. So I want to start out with a question today. Do you find it hard to find time to do the things that relax you, that calm you, the things that are good for you without feeling pressured to cut those things out in order to stick to a tight schedule? Do you have to multitask everything? For example, doing something else and productive while listening to this podcast or while exercising, walking or eating, doing something else productive. I do. <laughs> Me too. So all of the things of modern life, all of the advancements in technology, all of the conveniences of communication, all of the input and output of social media, all of this has filled every second, every moment and more of our lives. The irony is all of these things were supposed to free up time, give us more time to be creative, to pursue fulfillment, to spend time with family, to relax, to be with friends, to communicate, to share information. So a few days ago, I was talking to a friend who had recently changed jobs. And this friend recently left a very demanding job in a hard driving company that constantly pushes for output and productivity. The company has a culture where the word enough has no meaning and the word more is a mantra. My friend is now working in a company with a much slower pace. And that company seems to value the people who are working there rather than only valuing their productivity or their output. And this friend is feeling a bit antsy with it all, frequently referring to their self as being lazy, 
and a bit bored, and feeling guilty for both. The previous job was, for my friend, really an experience in devaluation, humiliation, subjugation, with little sense of satisfaction or reward or positive feedback. There weren't any of those pats on the back that kind of keep us going and make us feel good about what we're doing. Yet, 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 there was a certain fulfillment in the rush of the demands, in the whirlwind of the work and the effort to succeed, to rising to the occasion. Maybe it's a counterintuitive euphoria in the feeling of, of being overwhelmed. The new job my friend has is something exciting, what they're working on. It's very exciting, and it's new, and it's ingenious, really. And the work itself is methodical, albeit a bit disorganized. And my friend now has time to do training for the other employees, and to organize, and to strategize. He has time to focus on process. And in that space, without the gale of demands and pressure, my friend feels lazy. And him telling me this, it caused me to, to stop and reflect. This got me to thinking about my own similar experiences in my life. There was a time about uh, 10 years ago when I was feeling bored in my job. I felt like I'd gotten good at it and the situations and projects that used to be enormous challenges now seemed a bit easy, routine, even boring. But there was a fire of ambition in my belly. <laughs> and so I pursued other opportunities, jobs that would be more, more high stakes, more pressure, more demanding, more challenging. I really wanted to, to up the ante to get back into a rush of stress. Some people might say this was my desire to lean in or to stretch. As I was deciding which of several positions to pursue, I decided to get some input, some advice. I'll call it spiritual advice. That's really what it was. And I sought this advice through some Buddhist channels. Um, and I participated in a, a special discernment and clarification meditation with someone who was very skilled and gifted in this. So I sought spiritual insight into which direction I should go. And the advice stunned me completely took me by surprise. It wasn't at all what I bargained for. Before I get into the details of this experience and the insight I received, I want to zoom out a bit and talk a little bit about the hormonal, biochemical, physiological, and neurological things that are going on with our bodies and our brains in this current world we are in, this world of constant input and demands. And disclaimer time, as you well know, I am not a scientist or a physician. So what follows is my understanding of the hormonal and biochemical impacts of stress and chaos. And it is informed by my own experience, watching my mind 
and body going through those situations, as well as, as having studied this in graduate school. Nonetheless, I am not a scientist or physician. This is my interpretation, okay? So in short, there are generally three kinds of stress. There's good stress. Good stress refers to experiences we have where, where, where we rise to a challenge. We, we take a risk and then feel rewarded with usually positive outcomes. Even negative outcomes can fall under good stress as we learn from them, right? Good stress is summed up as growth experiences, growth experiences. We can all relate to this. There are, they are the moments of challenge and response in our lives. They begin, we act, and then they end and we learn. Our bodies and brains adjust to the new situation with hyperfocus, serotonin, and heightened neurological activity. And then things go back to normal. The second, the second stress, the next is tolerable stress. Tolerable stress is what we experience when bad things happen in our lives. And despite the bad situation though, we, we are still able to cope. Usually we are helped by family, friends, and others in our lives to get through that. If, if we suffer lingering effects of tolerable stress events, it is more reactive to events in the past, maybe driven by regret or other more negative emotions. That would be sort of the clinging stuff of the situation. Needless to say, our bodies react hormonally, neurologically, and psychologically to meet the need and then recover. Again, reset to normal. Three, finally, there is toxic stress. There are many examples and varieties of toxic stress, but today we're mostly looking at stress that just doesn't stop. It continues, it morphs, and it changes. And unlike the other stresses, it has no definable end. So we are always processing and struggling to process and overcome it. We're trying to rise to the challenge, but the goalposts keep moving. And many compound their toxic stress with addictive use of social media or working long, long hours without proper rest. Things just keep coming and changing and there it is, that's toxic stress. The body and brain, the limbic system, they all react similarly in stress. They ramp up with hyperfocus, floods of hormones, neurological changes, and the difference is if the stress doesn't end, the body and brain remain in that state of fight or flight, rising and re-rising to the challenges. This takes a toll on our physical bodies, our minds, our moods. And, and here's the kicker. Our brains adjust to this situation. Our limbic systems kind of normalize the stress reactions as a physiological coping mechanism. The ongoing stress demands repeated ramping up. There is no reset to normal. There is only setting new, yet unsustainable, normals. What does that look like in real life? 
it looks like my friend feeling lazy, even though he's in a much healthier situation now. It looks like me searching for a new challenge and a more demanding job after I've gotten good at my current job. And many work cultures reinforce this. And it also looks like this. Have you found yourself scrolling through news or social media, zing, 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 and then realized a lot of time has passed and you've done little other than scroll? And so you put the social media or the news away, but then pay attention for just a sec. Think, what is happening in your mind, in your brain? It's pushing you to dig back into the social media. It wants more jolts of serotonin or whatever the brain chemicals are that keep us scrolling. The brain adapts to stress and the little jolts we get under stress, and then that becomes normal, even though it takes a physical, psychological, and spiritual toll. This is why it is hard to put our smartphones down. This is why it is harder to read novels or long-form writing. Our attention spans have adjusted. Our ability to sustain concentration has been undermined. Okay, let's leave my vague science descriptions <laughs> and go back to the results of my discernment meditation that shocked me. So there I was, thinking this meditation exercise was going to help me pick the best career route, the best of the jobs on the table. And I was going to march off to a new challenge, climb the learning curve, chalk up new wins, and manage the stress of all this new stuff, and succeed. Well, surprise, surprise, surprise. The meditation indications were this. I should stay in my current job. What? I was really shocked. I, I felt I had so much extra energy and talent that I wasn't being that wasn't being used and that I should be marshalling it for new things. And that, that was a better use of me. The insight from the meditation was was really life-changing for me. I I didn't brush it off. I didn't dismiss it. I took it seriously and I really dug into it, how I felt about it and what it meant to my life in the present, in that present, and I thought about it, how it would affect my life in the future. And doing this, digging deep, it really helped me to reorient, redefine and refocus myself in a new direction. The irony is, I thought I was already on that direction, that I was doing both, career and ambition and this new direction. I thought there was this beautiful balance, this harmony. And that, that new direction that I thought I was already on, but which I was being directed to go on, was cultivating my spiritual life more, cultivating my Buddhist practice and trying to be a creator of peace and happiness in the world. Like I just said, I thought I was already doing that while working, while being a husband and doggy daddy and friend and all around social, active person. The insight from the meditation was use the spare time and spare energy and attention in my current job to focus on cultivating my spiritual life. 
focus on what I thought I was already doing. Instead of living with, managing, and handling excess stress in a new job, the direction indicated was to focus on life, love, family, and spiritual practice. And because I had space in that existing job, I could do that. I guess I'm having a hard time describing clearly how hard that hit me, how dystonic it was. As I said, I thought I was already doing that, living that way, masterfully balancing life, work, family, spiritual practice. But the indications of this meditation was telling me that, no, I wasn't doing this as masterfully as I thought. It was pointing me to doing it more, to doing it better, to doing it more deeply, to doing it with more commitment, sincerity, and focus more, better, deeper, committed, sincere, focused. It was pointing out the obvious, really. I had spare time, spare energy, spare focus. Because I had reached a point of competence in my job situation that resulted in relatively low stress, resulted in spare space. So instead of pushing that all the way in search of ramping up stress back up and letting ambition drive me, I was being pointed toward adjusting to a life using that space, being spacious, using the spaciousness and to deepen my personal connections, to deepen my spiritual connections in all aspects of my life. Instead of using it for new projects, new things, new, new tasks, new people, new whatever in a professional situation. And although I didn't know it at the time, this was a life-changing turning point. It was a moment in time that really, that really separates before and after. So that was my experience. And my friend is now facing a similar opportunity. Okay, nice story you might be thinking. But what does this have to do with our project, uncovering our authentic selves, living more and more altruistically and becoming a person others rely upon? And that is a good and fair question. And the point is this. Our minds are increasingly hardwired to be busy and to be stressed. And if we're not busy or stressed, we seek it out because it feels like something is missing, because we've been rewired so that is normal. Any idleness or entropy that seeps into our lives makes us uncomfortable, antsy. And we're not even always conscious of this antsiness and this discomfort. And this drives us to seek out stress and input. Despite this, we all have opportunities in our lives where we can make space, spacious time. Time, even in minutes, where we can put everything aside, put down our phones, turn off music, be alone, and just sit with ourselves in spaciousness. And it is so important that we do so, that we, we push back on the stress. My opportunity to learn this was extraordinary. My ambition to ramp up stress was derailed, literally. And I was pointed directly, explicitly toward cultivating spaciousness. 
to, to reset my normal. And thank goodness, I am so grateful for that meditation, for the insight, and for accepting it and acting on it rather than dismissing it. Okay, N new concept in Word Alert. I've been using it a little bit now, so let's just pause and discuss. Spaciousness. I think this may be the first time we've brought this up in a resonant life. Buddhism has many paths of practice to cultivate spaciousness, and it has as many descriptions of it. For our purposes, here and now, let's think of it as a moment we carve out of our stressful lives and an interruption or speed bump to the habits which perpetuate stress and activity. One way to do this to cultivate spaciousness that should fit well into our lives is to, for a moment, just a moment, sit quietly in a quiet place. Sit quietly anywhere. If it is noisy, tune it out. Also, we have to disconnect from input, especially from the music and podcasts and such we have in our ears. Take out the earbuds, take off the headphones, turn off the music, the TV, the computer, then do our few deep breaths just to slow things down. Breathe from the diaphragm. Breathe deeply again. If you find your mind is trying to pull you back to your daily life, to all the things waiting for you that must be done, simply ask your mind for just a few moments. Say, literally, literally ask. Ask yourself, your mind, for just a moment. Hey, mind, come on, give me a moment here, just like that. Then picture, picture in your imagination, in your mind. Picture someone you cherish. A child, spouse, parents, or teacher, maybe someone who has passed. Any loved and cherished person, focus on them. If a photo works better, use a photo. Stare at the photo. As you focus on this person, just sit with the feeling of love, of cherishing that comes up, that arises. Sit with that. Sit as long as you want. But don't drift off or lose focus. As soon as you find your mind wandering away from that feeling of love and cherish of the person, moving to something else other than that cherished one, bring your mind back to that person and the love, those feelings of love. And then in that, end the exercise. Don't end with distraction. Don't end, don't end it while you're distracted. Bring your focus back and then end it. End it with a thank you. Thank you for sharing love. And thank you to your mind for letting you no matter how hard your mind struggled against it. It is important that you consciously end this exercise and not let it end due to drifting away. This is you asserting your agency, agency over your mind, your ego, your time, your stress, the world that demands your time and attention. You are the agent. None of that is. You are the agent of your mind. You are the agent of your heart and your intention. And do this short exercise as often as possible, as often as you can. 
It can be as short as a minute. It can be 30 seconds, less. Just take that time to do it. This exercise will help us to assert control over our minds and the stress and stressors that blasted us like a fire hose. The more control we assert, the more control we have. The more spaciousness we'll experience in our minds, no matter what situation we're in. This is like a mantra. It is a visual mantra. Mantras are the repetition of spiritually meaningful words and phrases. This exercise is focusing over time on the love of someone we cherish. Same concept. Why spaciousness? Well, if we're bombarded by stress, if we're pressed for time and energy, if there are not enough hours in the day for just the basic things of life, we're being compressed, squeezed. In this state, how can we possibly live a resonant life? How can we focus on others? How can we possibly do things for others? How can we act altruistically if every moment, every fiber of our being is focused on managing the multiple and various demands in our lives, right? We can't. And as you know, as you have been working on this project with me, a resonant life is about being altruistic, about being the steward and custodian of the blessings of our lives sharing them in the service of the happiness of others, of creating abiding happiness through these altruistic actions for ourselves and others. And in all of that, being agents and creators of peace. If we're constantly at the mercy of stress and the demands on us without being able to carve out time and space to be whole, and present and available, we will find it almost impossible to be intentionally altruistic in a sustained way. This was the indication presented to me in the meditation when I was shown I should stay with the job that had become unchallenging. And this is an opportunity we can all create, no matter our circumstances, if we intentionally and consciously set our minds to it. Creating mental islands, moments of spaciousness in our days. Doing this, we will be more and more able to act positively for others without distinction or condition. And doing so, we will be forces of peace and happiness that others can turn to in their need. And we will have the time, energy, wisdom, and space to be of help. My suggestion to my friend who has a new job is to not think of themselves as lazy, but to realize they now have space they didn't have before. Space to expand and share their kind intentions and sincerity with those around them. Basically, to recalibrate, reset, and expand. Thank you for joining me today. 
<laughs> the world around us is busy, demanding and distracting. But if we focus on love, on loving, and do so intentionally with presence, we will become more and more able to replace stress with intentional love. Feelings of being overwhelmed with care and altruism for all those around us. And this makes the world better without doubt and our lives more spacious. It is just amazing what we can do when we put our hearts and minds to it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, please subscribe and share. If you'd like to share your own experience, thoughts, or ask a question, please send an email to mike at resonant.social. With gratitude, theme music is courtesy of Stock Audios, distributed by Pixabay. A Resonant Life is a podcast from the Time Is Now Productions.